So today we'll be reading from um, 1 Chronicles 29, verses 10 to 20. If you've got the church Bibles, um, then that should be page 433 to 434. David praised the Lord in the presence of the whole assembly, saying, Praise be to you, Lord, the God of our father Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. Yours, Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendor for everything in heaven and earth is yours. Yours, Lord, is the kingdom. You are exalted as head over all. Wealth and honor come from you. You are the ruler of all things. In your hands are strength and power to exalt and give strength to all. Now, our God, we give you thanks and praise your glorious name. But who am I? And who are my people that we should be able to give as generously as this? Everything comes from you, and we have given only what comes from your hand. We are foreigners, strangers in your sight, as were all our ancestors. Our days on earth are like a shadow without hope. Lord our God, all this abundance that we have have provided for building you a temple for your holy name comes from your hand, and all of it belongs to you. I know, my God, that you test the heart and are pleased with integrity, all the things I have given willingly and with honest intent. And now I have seen with joy how willingly your people who are here have given to you. Lord, the God of our fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, keep these desires and thoughts in the hearts of your people forever and keep their hearts loyal to you. And give my son Solomon the wholehearted devotion to keep your commandments, statutes, and decrees, and to do everything to build the palatial structure for which I have provided. Then David said to the whole assembly, Praise the Lord your God. So they all praised the Lord, the God of their fathers. They bowed down, prostrating themselves before the Lord and the King. This is the word of the Lord. Well, good evening again. Uh, my name's Sam, if you didn't catch it earlier. And we're going um, we're gonna to keep referring back to the passage. So if you've got your Bibles open, uh, keep them open. And if you haven't, open them again. And just to give you a roadmap through the rest of the service after this, uh, I'm going to unpack what this uh, Bible passage says to us. And then we're going to baptize Jack. Um, going to chuck him in the water. And... Um, and there'll be a couple more songs after that of worship. So at this point, 1 Chronicles 29, we're jumping right into the middle of a story. So what I thought I'd do is we'd go back, we'd unpack some of that story that's come, that's come before this, and then, uh, then we'll get around to what this means for us. Could I have my PowerPoint up on the screen? Sorry. So basically, I'm going to give you a bit of a Bible history lesson, and then I'll get on to why you should feel amazing about the gifts that God has given you, the talents that God has blessed you with, uh, and how we can give those back to other people. Okay, so let's go back, way back. This is to a period uh, of Israel's history called the monarchy, and it's a period where kings ruled Israel, um, but let's see where it fits in the structure. After Israel was freed from uh, slavery in Egypt, back in the second book of the Bible called Exodus, they traveled for 40 years until they reached the land that God had promised them. And they get to the end, to that land. 
they enter that land and they keep going away from God. And over a period of about 360 years, they keep going away from God. They keep coming back to God. And each time, God sent a guide or a warrior to help them with that. And they were called Judges. That's where we get the book of Judges that comes a few chapters on, uh, a few books on from that. And after this period of about 360 years being ruled by Judges and being ruled by God, as their king, they demanded that someone be appointed as a king over them. They demanded that they could have a king like all the other, other nations had kings. So even though God was meant to be their king, God was gracious and he gave them the king they were demanding. Uh, he gave them one called Saul. Saul was okay for a few minutes, and then after about three years, he really went away from God, and he started doing stuff wrong. Um, he got, uh, and it took about three years for God to get really angry with him. We'll come back to that in a minute, but basically, after he'd been king for about 40 years, so about 37 years after, he started taking the nation of Israel away from God. God paved the way for another king to come, and that's King David. He's one of the more famous characters in the Bible. Uh, he had a sling and he killed a giant at one point. That's pretty cool. Read it. It's in 1 Samuel. David, on the whole, was a great king. He, oh, thank you. David, on the whole, was a great king. He loved God. He wrote a whole load of worship songs, uh, which make up the book, of the, the book of Psalms, which is kind of about the middle part of your Bible. And he's generally pretty fantastic. He danced naked at one point. It's kind of weird. Read about it. It's also in, it's in 1 Samuel or 2 Samuel. I can't remember. Uh, the guy was pretty fun, but he wasn't perfect. Later in his life, uh, he slept with someone else's wife and got her pregnant and then had that guy killed off. So although I've said he's a reasonably good king, actually, we wouldn't put up with that from one of our leaders, would we? I, I mean, people don't seem to be keen on our politicians at the moment, but no one's done that. But that's pretty bad. That's not good. Um, alongside that, let's really quickly look at uh, the Ark of the Covenant, which was uh, something that the Israelite people were told to make out in the wilderness after they'd escaped from Egypt. There's a much longer theology to this. We could spend months preaching on this. But um, basically, it was a box so fancy that the presence of God on earth lived in it. And it was amazing. And they carried it everywhere they went. They carried it into battle. And God went with them. After Jesus died on the cross much, much later in what we call the New Testament, and got rid of everything that we'd done wrong uh, between us and him, then his presence was everywhere. But for now... This was the only place on earth that was holy enough for him. The only place that was set apart enough for God. Holy means uh, morally clean, completely pure, set apart, different to everything else. That's a really high bar, but that's what God is like. And now this fancy box was carried around in the wilderness, and eventually it was put somewhere once they reached the promised land. A load of other stuff happens to it. But we'll pick it up towards the end of David's life. Now he's a king and he wants to build a temple for, the, for this box to live in. Currently they have a system of tents and frankly God deserves better than camping. So he wants to build a really fancy temple. He wants a temple so beautiful and so special that the world has never seen anything like it before. 
He wants to use the finest materials, the most gold, the most creative artists to design it and make sure it's absolutely perfect. And it's going to be stunning. And he takes this to God. And God says, no. Not you. Because actually you're impure. You've made yourself impure. You've fought in battles. You've killed people. You've had this woman's husband killed. You've gone away from God. And that's not the start of the story that God wants for his temple. God wants something better. And David's gutted. He really loves God and he wants to do this amazing thing for him. But he was all in on that plan and God said no. So how does he respond? Well, then we get to this passage that we're at at the moment. 1 Chronicles 29. In the face of disappointment, David says, Okay, I'll give my son everything he needs to build the temple. David is different to the king before him, Saul, because that's, that king Saul, he never said sorry. He never turned back to God, but David did. When he'd messed up, he turned back to God. David was big enough to realize that he'd messed up. And so God forgave him and chose to allow his family to rule on after him. And David says, I'm going to give my son everything he needs to build the temple. I'm going to give my son everything that's necessary. I'm going to store up all these beautiful things because it's not about me. It's not about my legacy. It's about making sure this temple gets built. I don't care about being remembered for this great thing. I just want this great thing to happen. Then we get on to uh, a bit just before the the part that Tom read to us. uh, 1 Chronicles 29 verse 3. It says this. I now give my personal treasures of gold. This is King David speaking. And silver for the temple of my God. Over and above everything I've provided for this holy temple. And he gives 3,000 talents of gold. A talent is an old measurement, but uh, it's roughly about 100 tons of gold. It's a lot. 7,000 talents of refined silver. That's about 230 tons for the overlaying of the walls and the buildings. 100 tons of gold, 230 tons of silver for the overlaying of the walls, for wallpaper. This is a shiny building. This is going to be amazing. And then he asked the people of the country to join in, uh, in verse 5. He says, now who is willing to consecrate themselves? Who wants to join in? I don't think they necessarily need it anymore. They had a lot. But he asked, who wants to join in? Who wants to be part of this? And how did they respond? Uh, in verse 6, it says, then the leaders of the families, the officers of the tribes of Israel, the commanders of the thousands and the commanders of hundreds, and the officials in charge of the king's work gave willingly. They gave towards the work of the temple of God 5,000 talents, that's about 170 tons, and 10,000 darics, about 84 kilos, of gold, 10,000 talents, uh, 340 tons of silver, 18,000 talents of bronze, and 100,000 talents of iron, that's a lot. Anyone who had precious stones as well, they gave them to the treasury of the temple of the Lord in the custody of a guy called Jehiel, the Gershonite. The people rejoiced at the willing response of their leaders, for they'd given freely and wholeheartedly to the Lord. 
And David the king also rejoiced greatly. I feel like you didn't need to put that bit at the end. If you see your people giving that much to the Lord, he's also going to rejoice. The people gave so, so much, and then they rejoiced. Then they partied. They were so happy to give this away. And here's the thing. They gave not because they would ever see the byproduct of it. The temple would take years to build. A lot of them would die in that time. But they gave because God was worth it. They gave their wealth in abundance and gladly because God's temple, this house for the presence of God, would show the world how much they cared about their God. Would show the world that their God was worth praising. And so after they give that, they praise him. And then we get today's reading. And they say repeatedly throughout that reading that all of the, the things that have been given to them have come from God. In verse 12 it says, Wealth and honor come from you. You are the ruler of all things. In your hands are strength and power to exalt and give strength to all. Then in verse 14, it says, everything comes from you, and we've given you only what comes from your hand. And finally, in verse 16, it says, Lord our God, all this abundance that we've provided for building your temple for your holy name comes from your hand, and all of it belongs to you. And all of it came from God, and all of it goes back to God. Then in verse 20, it says, David said to the whole assembly, praise the Lord your God. Let's give it up to God in praise. So they praised the Lord, the God of their fathers. They bowed down, prostrating themselves before the Lord and the king. And they praised and they partied and they thanked God for giving them all this that they could then give back to God. All in all, they gave away 270 tons of gold together. Um, I looked that up. Apparently, that's the weight of about two and a half blue whales, if that's a measurement we can work with, or it's about uh, three houses worth of gold. Depends on the size of your house. Uh, it's about, I think, four or five space shuttles worth of gold. It's a lot. That's the country's economy they'd just given away. They gave away so much for this temple. But it wasn't theirs to begin with is their point. They knew it wasn't theirs to begin with. And shortly after David gave all this, he died. At the end of chapter 29, if you, on uh, page 434, the death of David. David dies before he sees this temple be built. He gave so that the next generation would have everything they need to build this temple, to accomplish what he couldn't, because he wasn't ready to do. They would go further than he ever did. That they would have all they ever need to get there. The Bible is full of beautiful redemption stories. It's full of stories of people repenting and turning back to God and God forgiving them. And right here, David had turned back to God in response to what he'd done wrong, to the ways that he'd put Um, stuff between him and God and that baby the son that was born to the woman he'd slept with and had her wife uh, had her husband killed that child was named Solomon that child would then become the next king and this was the son whom David passed all these gifts on to the man who completed his legacy born in such a horrible way but used for God's kingdom 
the man who redeemed his father's mistake and who King David stored up all these gifts for him to use. One of the most beautiful blessings that's ever been spoken over me uh, was this. May your shoulders be wide enough for others to stand on. May your life be built as a starting point for the next generation. May they be so blessed by you that they can do far more than you ever could. And that's the dream for a lot of us, right? We want to see others, we want to see our children go further and past what we've accomplished ourselves. We want to see them do more. For our student ministry, we've always dreamed of that. Uh, As we've led it, we've always dreamed that you guys would go far further than we ever could. And now as a finish, I want to turn actually to address you guys as graduates. May you, as you graduate, just take what we've done here at Christchurch as a starting point. As you go off around the country or as you stay here, may you take this as a starting point. May you see your time in Winchester as just the very beginning of what God wants to do with you. We're so unbearably proud of you. We've just seen the first sparks of your potential, and we want to see you do even more. We pray for God to do more than we could ask or imagine in your lives. And you guys are world changers. You've done a lot already, but we want to see you do even more. So we send you out knowing that God has such great plans for you. And now all of us, let's, let's actually stand as we respond. If you're up for a challenge, if you're up for, for getting involved with this, uh, why don't you stand and... If, you, if you're comfortable with it, uh, put your hands out in front of you just to say, I'm ready to receive, I'm ready to, to uh, take part in this. In one of my favorite parts of the Bible, uh, Exodus 3, Moses, um, one of the older characters in the Bible, a man whose name means saved through water, who himself would be saved through water and eventually would go, others, go out to save others through the parting of waters. At the beginning of this journey, this amazing journey that God takes him on, God asks him, what have you got in your hands? What has God given you to work with? For a minute or two, we're just going to wait in silence and ask God that question. What has God given us to work with? Who are the people under you that you can push further than you've ever gone yourself? What is he calling you to give or give up for the sake of his kingdom? That may come in the form of money, time, energy, talents, gifts. What has he given to you that you can offer back to him? As we wait on God, I'm just going to pray. Holy Spirit, we pray that you would speak to us. We pray that you would show us what you've given us that we can give back to you. We pray that you'd speak. And so, God, we ask that you'd give us the courage to act on what you're saying to us. We pray that you'd give us the strength to put aside our own desires, to put aside what we want for your kingdom. pray that you would give us the strength. You'd fill us with your spirit and help us to do your work, God. Amen.